0: Thank you, Janet Lee, and what a super playing of the compositions of great composers, great men who wrote songs that n- will no doubt, they will no doubt never die. And what an awesome job. And I'm getting so many comments. We want to thank the people for the comments that they are making about Janet Lee's organ playing because she does play by the Spirit. And it is appreciated, you know. So thank you. And God bless you, everybody. Here we are. We are here, Analog with Angels, Part 17. And this is Sunday, October 27th. And we are looking at the engrams and the teachings and the tracings that have been out there in the pulpiteer marketplace and it has just not been enough to satisfy the hungry hearts. People with a whale of an appetite to know the truth. And they want to get into that truth and ride it like a star to heaven. Well, as we begin to minister this incredible revelation, it is causing by the, the forces of spiritual properties moving upwards to toss down space junk, and the space junk is falling back to earth. And bless God, because God has opened up the wireless, space to space, spirit to spirit. So in this revelation today of the Holy Manifest, as we open up this spiritual diamond processing conductor, We are going to be able to deal with destiny to destiny, glory to glory, and those that hear this may find it very difficult. And we hope that none none of them will tumble from the skies or fold into condensity. Ah, but nevertheless, the Bible says there has to come the time that the crooked places are made straight. And that the the low places, the hills even, can rise like mountains to kiss the skies. Bless the name of God. And as we get into this word, God's blessings will be upon this word. And there will be healing infused in every word. For the healing of mouth and gums and teeth problems. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. We know that there are different glories because in 1 Corinthians 15 40, it talks about the celestial glories and the different kinds. And it talks about even like the stars, there are different kinds of glories of the stars. So we know that there is the 30 fold, the 60 fold, the 100 fold. Jesus taught that. And in those different folds, the 30, the 60, the 100 fold, there are different levels of glories. And we're opening up the gate and letting the Lord of glory come in today because this is a level of glory that there has been a lot of people very uh, much in, in the cravings to know, but they haven't had the opportunity. And today the opportunity is, is resurrected. Well, <clears throat> there's a request for a scripture, uh, Mark 13, 32 and 34, in which Jesus is saying that as to the coming of Christ, there, is, there are no angels that know the day and the hour, and that there are no uh, no other persons that know that. Uh, and not even uh, Jesus knows that. And the question is, is how could that be? How could it be that, that Jesus wouldn't know, but that it says the Father would know? Well, we want to answer that for our dear friend that has asked the questions, and um we want to not take a lot of time to cover it because we just don't have the time, but Jesus said some amazing things, and if we read this carefully uh, in the verse thirty two it just says, "Even the Son does not know, but when we take it contextually, by time we get to just a couple verses down verse thirty four we see that the the subject contextually is about the Son of Man. And we know that there are two parts to the revelation of Christ on earth. There is the Son of Man part, and there is the Son of God part. So Jesus is making it clear that there is a mortal side to him, and that he did not choose when he came to take on the body of an angel and just suddenly combust and appear, uh, nor um, did he choose to uh, uh, come down in a special spirit way, uh, you know, uh, that would be difficult for people to see or hear or understand. But he took on after the seed of Abraham. And so we find in um, John 14:10 that Jesus says, the Father dwells in me. The Father dwells in me, and how we get the Father to dwell in us is by getting christ to to dwell in us, and because the Father dwells in him, then that way the Father also is dwelling in us and then he says, uh, the Father, and this is in verse uh, twenty eight of John fourteen is greater than I, and this is what people have got to get in their heads and in their brains that the Father is greater." than the son of man the father is greater than the son of man and in John 15 26 he says that he Jesus proceeded and came forth from the father and he repeats that in the 28th verse about having come forth from the father then he sort of gives away a secret in Matthew 6 4 as to how the Father knows things that that the Son of Man doesn't. It talks about the Father sees in secret. That word secret of course is very extensive and and uh <laughs> it uh is a galaxy of of uh mystery and it's not meant for everyone to know obviously and that's why it says that the angels don't know, the Son of Man does not know, only the Father knows. So the answer is, sort of in a nutshell, is that when Jesus came forth from the Father and came onto the mission, coming into the subduction zone of this galaxy, of this universe, and he was clothed in this Son of Manship, um then his God limit was definitely in place. And he confesses that time and time again. He says, I don't do my will. I don't do what I think should be done. I do what the Father's will is. What the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. And he makes that point over and over again especially in the Gospel of John and he teaches that even the resurrection was taught to him by the Father that's actually in the scripture and I've read that to you and ministered on that before and why would that be well because there is a limit to memory in this body Now the Holy Spirit can bring a lot of things back to memory, but there is a limit that this brain has, this anatomy has, this body has, as to the superfluous things that are very, very complex of the spirit revelations and mysteries of God. And this being able of the Father to see in secret is part of the mystery of place and position. And so we have to understand that the Father, in Matthew 6, um, or pardon me, the Father in... um, one of the scriptures here that's very, very important, John fourteen twenty eight, the Father is greater than I. And if you can't swallow that and you can't get that down, then you are on the verge of tumbling from the sky because you've got to get it down. It's Bible. And it's Bible because of position. You can't be the glory that the invisible God is in this universe because it would be just like antimatter that one spoken word would blow up the entire universe. And you can't be too unraveling of the knowledge even of the Father because the father is at the highest image that could be reached from the in this physical sphere without reaching that kind of place where everything would become antimatter and so there is the scripture's input of being the image of god Being the image of something is not exactly the same as being what that image is. And there's all these connections that have to do with place, time, and position. And so the Father is who we are actually to pray through in Jesus' name. And so Jesus says, after this manner pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And there are many other such scriptures. So we see that Jesus turned everything to the Father in order to get into those manifestations that were above the clay thickness of the human brain. He understood that. He totally understood it. And that's why he called his companions and others his brothers. Because he had taken on a body that had the Abrahamic genetics, and those Abrahamic genetics are, believe me, a workshop of work in the acts of overcoming. And so, then, that is the answer. Son of man versus son of God. I do have some writings in the Holy Manifest uh, Manifestor website uh, where I am talking about Son of Man, Son of God. And if you read that, that will be very helpful in helping you to understand how that this aspect of moving certain higher glories over to the physical is not done because it would even be detrimental, it would be too powerful for the body to be able to stand. so I know that when I was receiving the holy manifest uh, on one particular day and 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 the Shekinah glory was coming down, and uh, uh people had looked at me and and they saw this uh, this um, uh sort of a phosphorus white. That was on my lips and around my mouth, uh, and and uh, and I realized that at that moment the word was so intense and it was so incredible that I had to stop because I was just a human, a mortal, and it was actually going to become too much for my body, for my mind, for my nerves, and I had to get up and leave. And why my wife says, "Where are you going?" I said. I said I'm going next door to Hinkle's. She said, y- are you hungry? I said, no. I'm going to go over there and play the Pac-Man machine because I've just got to get a break from this spirituality. It's more than my body can handle. And I went over and for a couple hours or more. I played Pac-Man on that that video machine or whatever you want to call it. And that is just a fact. There is a known thing that concentration, even mathematical concentration, has driven some people into, uh, you know, cuckoo land. So you have to do everything with moderation. And the truth of this moderation, and I've taken longer than I expected to, uh, is in those words I have just spoken. And I hope that that answers your question. All right. We want to talk about the pattern on the mountain. Because without understanding the pattern on the mountain, you cannot get very far up the road with this revelation. And we have to understand that that is is more than just primary. It is major. So in Exodus 25, 9, it talks about the pattern of the tabernacle that was revealed to Moses on the mountain, and in verse forty exodus twenty five forty it talks about the pattern showed you in the mount, and there's more of that kind of language in numbers eight four in hebrews nine twenty three Paul gets into describing that there are patterns of things in the heavens and that there are different levels of glory. There have been past levels of glory that were not as high as coming levels of glory that would reveal better and better the patterns of those things on earth that reveal their meanings of the things in heaven. Now, in Chronicles, uh, and that, by the way, was Hebrews 9.23. Now, First Chronicles 28, 11 through 12, David, King David, talks about the patterns that he received, and they were very extensive. They included weights and measures uh, for the, the temple of God. And and he says he received all of the patterns, how they were to be built, the weights, and so forth, by the Spirit. By the same token, we know and understand that the things that was received by Moses, for sure, and it is demonstrated with many arrays, s a r r a y s and in hebrews eight five Paul talks about that the pattern that was showed to Moses in the mount well, what do we have to think about when we think about that about that pattern well <laughs> we turn to psalm sixty eight one of my favorite uh, chapters, and but you got to get this down. You've got to get this down, you know, because um, in verse four of sixty-eight it says, "Sing unto God, sing praises to His name, extol Him that rideth upon the heavens by His name Jah, and rejoice before Him." Now that it's very close to being a commandment it says when you worship God when you extol God you need to do it in the relationship value of God riding upon the heavens by his name Jah or Yah and you need to rejoice in that In verse 11, it says, The Lord gave the word, and great was the company. Now, many scholars say that that word actually is referring to angels. So the Lord gave the word, and great was the company of angels of those that published it. Wow. Wow. Then it brings us to verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. Wow. Now we're going to sing praises, it says in verse 4 to extol him that rideth. Now, the Hebrew word that is famous for this is Merkabah, M-E-R-K-A-B-A. And what it is talking about is the pilot hold throne room of the rider of the chariot, or zith. And it's interesting, the scriptures that verify that. Ezekiel chapter 1, 10 is one of the scriptures that uh, is very important. And it says, as for their likeness of their faces, and four had the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces, and their wings were stretched upward. Two wings of every one joined one to another, and the two covered their bodies. And they were called the living creatures in verse 15. And up above before that, we have other scriptures about the wings and, and being joined to one another and so forth. Well, how does that tie into the thing of Merkabah. Well, we will see as we get down the road on this teaching. Now, there's patterns about everything. And that goes on even in Revelations where it talks about measuring the temple. Because measuring is another word for counting the number. To count the number sometimes means more than just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But as we will see later, it has something to do with reckoning and something to do with measuring. So that there's a whole lot more to it than just the simplicity of counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But the important thing is that this thing about the pattern in the mount, and that we have read here on Mount Sinai which was which was the mount, where this all this where the angels came down, where Yahweh El came down, where by that mount seventy of the elders and Moses saw in the sky. The transparent, sapphire-like, crystallized dome of this flying chariot, and there was a throne, which was talking about the throne room, the pilot hold, that was set upon by the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, as we will see when we get into the scripture, which is which is Yahweh or Yahweh was seen in this flying machine up in the sky by 70 elders and Moses. This was all the activity that was going on and these thousands of chariots. Now, if we want to just disregard this and throw it into the trash, then we have to confess that we don't want to know nothing about the deep word of God. And I'm not going to be in any, any part of that. Because God has said and given an unction. And I read it to you. And that was in Psalms 68. And he said in there that he wanted the people of God to be involved in wanting to know. He says, extol him that rideth upon the heaven of the the heavens by his name Yah, and rejoice before him. You can't extol God in the way that this word means extol if you don't get into the liquid stream of holy fire that has to do with these ultimate mysteries of God. But once you get this thing about the pattern then when all of these things about the fringe and the pomegranates and all of the way that the the, the fringes are are, are folded and, and so forth, all of a sudden you say, my God, this is all part of the pattern that was showed to Moses in the mount. It's all part of the pattern, ladies and gentlemen. The measurement of the temple in Revelations and the Old Testament. All a part of the pattern. We know that even the word angels in this particular verse, Strong's 8136, and we like to call it the shinons. And we understand that those were a particular kind of persons, angel persons, angels elect if you want to call them that, who were there along with the cherubim, of which that name is not used in any other scripture in the Bible. And it's so important because then you have one word that is revealing something to you about the sons of Enoch because it's part of the pattern that was showed to Moses on Mount Sinai. And the angels were coming and going in the the flying craft, the same kind of craft that picked up Elijah and took him off into space, alive. Wow. It is interesting, when we are looking at, talking about, in chapter 13, the beast, and, and the mark of the beast, and, and the number of his name that that chapter 13 is preceded by chapter 12, which is about a crown upon a lady, and then uh, later another wonder of a of a, dragon. And both the lady and the dragon are in this heavenly sphere, heavenly place, heavenly position. And the tail of the dragon casts down one-third one third of the stars of heaven, and that revelation is proceeding the revelation about the mark of the beast and, and, and all of that. But ladies and gentlemen, and I've, I've shared this with you, and I'm going to just keep sharing it because it's just so important, this thing about the beast is just not understood. This thing about the mark of the beast is not understood. But we have to be very, very careful when we start getting into this thing about the beast. Some would say, well, the beast, I mean, that's that's pretty clear. The Bible's made it pretty clear. No, the Bible has not made it pretty clear. Any more than some of the parables of Jesus was really clear. It was given only to those who could, by the Spirit, receive it. But one of the things that is very, very important is that people just haven't understood this thing about the beast. They haven't understood it at all. And today, we want to really open it up. And one of the interesting things that we want to talk about is, you know, this mystery of of the third, uh, of of, you know, of, of the stars that were cast. But, for instance, here's something that should get you stirred up. The Bible talks about the Lamb of God. John 1, 29, it said, Behold the Lamb of God. John 21, 15 says, you know, um, Feed my lambs. In another place, it says, Feed my sheep. In Revelations five thirteen. It talks about the Lamb forever. In Revelation six one, it talks about the Lamb opened the seals. In Revelation twenty one nine, it says, "Show the Lamb's wife." In Revelation twenty one twenty seven, it talks about the Lamb's book of life. In Revelation five six it says, stood a lamb as it had been slain. In Revelation 17, 14, it says, and these shall make war with the lamb. Now, <laughs> yeah, the lamb is a beast. But it is only symbolic. The lamb is only symbolic of of a man and that man is the Lord Jesus Christ because it was a man who was slain it wasn't it wasn't a God spirit that was slain you can't slay a God spirit but the man was slain and of course there was a resurrection Can't people get it? Can't they seem to understand that when it talks about some of these serpents and when it talks about, we know like for instance, that there were kings and, and, and they were called Nahash. Nahash is the translation of the Hebrew word for snake or serpent. So when it talked about the serpent in the tree, people say oh, it was a serpent and that's what the aliens are. They're like serpent people. and they look like serpents and they look like you know dragons and people are feeding a whole bunch of buffalo chips to the people and the people are frying that on their personal grills and trying to not pay too much attention to the smell because they think it has come from a divine source and it has not come from a divine source and it is not a true interpretation because they have not understood how that those things are not literal literal. They are a literal pattern of other meanings. And you can better understand that if you understand that the lamb is a beast. Then when you look at chapter 5 in the book of Revelations, and it's talking in verse 6 about the midst of the throne and the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now there's people that are going to make Christ look like he's got seven horns. Not realizing that those horns represent powers because they're trying to turn turn the patterns in to be in the actuality. And then it goes on in verse 8 and it says, well, this was in verse 7, it says, He came and took the book out of my right hand of him that sat on the throne... And when he had taken the book, the the four beasts, <laughs> and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having never one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now here we see that golden vials and odors aren't just golden vials and aren't just odors odors. They are just symbolic. They are just patterns of the prayers of the saints. In Revelations 15, 17, verse 15, I think I got that right. It's <laughs> either that of the way other way around. It talks about water. And it it's interpreting the waters and that's that's very very important chapter 17 verse 15 and the angel says those waters those are just symbolic i'm paraphrasing and what they represent are people nations kindreds and tongues well now when we go back into the old testament we get into to the fringes and we get into prayer shawls, and we get into the ephod, and we get into all these windings and all these, these things that, that are, are told to be to, about to be done. Yeah, you could just kick out the Old Testament and say, "Ah, we're not under that anymore." Hey, don't get that wrong. In the end, the Bible depicts <coughs> both Moses and Christ standing together singing the songs of God on the crystal sea. You may not be under the curse of the law because you are now under the the, the the salvation and grace of Jesus Christ, but that doesn't kick out the whole genetics of the human race. That doesn't kick out the historical aspects that has all kinds of information of which Jesus, when he was on earth, he quoted those scriptures and made it clear that there was revelation in those scriptures and that many of those scriptures had revelations about him. So that many of the things that were written in various kinds of patterns and symbols were about Jesus the Christ and about the mystery of what was being revealed on the mount in the way of patterns that had a real lively incredible pressure or interpretation wow well you know in the holy manifest peace bible it interprets, from the Strong's Concordance, various words like ul, O-O-L, in Strong's 193, which means to twist, to be strong. But there are several other uh, uh, Strong Concordance Hebrew words. And what it basically means is to twist away. So why do they have? These various twistings and windings and braidings uh, in uh, the the various fringes that are worn as at the hem of the garments of like the ephod and and and, and like the and 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 the the four corners of of the prayer shawl and all of the tying of the knots and all this kind of. why because they they are represented in the Bible, in the Torah, and in the Old Testament with the prophets. Now there are people that will say, well, all it says is that these people should wear fringes, but it don't say anything about what the Jews do with tying all these knots and and having all these different strings. You are wrong if you say that, because it does say it. It says it in the description of patterns and uses all kinds of different words of which we're going to try to hopefully get into here today, but time is running so fast. But the whole idea of the twist is to twist away from the convolution of the darkness of the inferior conjunctions. And subduction zones of this world. And we have to twist away. And there is a whole spiritual revelation of how to do that twisting and how to put it in place. And when these fringes are done, they they do use double knots. And if they didn't use the knots, then the embracing would come undone. And the next thing you know, the fringe would be lost, the message would be lost. And so those knots are very, very important, and they have a meaning. And they are equal to another term that is used in the Old Testament called knob, like knob to an architectural rendering, or knob in an architectural rendering that can represent to open a door. So the calibration of these incredible revelations are deep and beautiful and precious and glorious and exciting and the pattern of the mount is not only Old Testament stuff Old Testament Scripture It's New Testament Scripture and stuff we're going to get into it we're gonna take a break Janet Lee. Thank you, thank you, thank you again Janet Lee. Oh, what awesome selection. Thank you so much. And here we are. Let's finish up here. We talked about the lamb as a beast. We're not putting the lamb down. The lamb is a beast that was chosen for sacrifice. It was one of the of the revelations to Moses where the lamb was chosen to be sacrificed a certain way representing certain certain things. and uh, And there was Certain qualities, how the the lambs would sometimes uh come forth and be um, sacrificed without making any kind of uh, disruptive sounds uh you know which t- turned out to be uh like a prophecy uh a, a prophecy of uh of Jesus Christ and uh, so that's the story of the of how the the lamb is a symbol. Then you've got the four beasts, and we've explained that in a lot of teachings, how this represents the four kinds of human beings, and it represents the, um, you know, like the four corners of the earth, uh, the four rivers, the four winds, uh, all of those things have something to do with the four kinds of human beings. And, and, and the fact that they then have a description like a, a lion, a man, an eagle, etc., uh, has to do with the different flavors of um, nations and kingdoms and, uh, and rulerships that they go through. Uh, at one period of time, one group uh, of those uh, four may be uh, more on the good side of things just like the kingdom of Israel. There were times it was on the good side of things, but there was a lot of times that it was not on the good side of things. You know, one of the amazing things is, you know, uh, uh, there are a lot of us that just are really uh, against uh, slavery of any kind, and uh, we we just don't, given any uh, value or any credit we we think it's a cruel thing and yet there are scriptures in the bible uh that allow it and and seem to uh to you know uh, consider it uh you know a fact of of life um and we know that that uh, the, the you know uh, at least this is what history seems to say that the uh the jews were some of the 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 most uh, uh, major ship o- owners uh, of the slave ships that transported the the uh, the slaves uh you know uh from Africa to all, all kinds of other nations and then in those nations where there were heavy Jewish settlements they were some of the people that bought them whenever they could get a bargain and they resold them. So they made, you know, made live made quite a, a large amount of money uh out of selling slaves and being involved with some of the horrible things about slaves. Uh so, you know, we're not trying to put down the Jews in any way, but I mean a fact is a fact. And we also know in the Bible it talks about how that the the the, the Jews under the uh, military might of David uh pushed like something like 10,000 people at the sea rock off of the high peaks and and onto the jagged uh rocks uh below to to uh to die and to to suffer uh how that they also in another scripture marched them through the kennels and and, uh, and and alive, and with soldiers on either side, with these hack blades that they used to to even chop off uh, legs of horses, uh, and and uh, they they forced the, the you know like another ten thousand to march through the the the, the fire kilns, uh, you know. Um, just because they're Jews, that doesn't exonerate them, and and it just goes to show that there could be a time in nature when uh, a nation that is called to be a holy nation and that has a lot of uh, of good things and properties of those good things that are uh, you know predicted about them in the ultimate uh, time of things, uh, that there are times when they may repre- represent a different beast, you know. Uh, instead of instead of you know something that is more like a dove <laughs> to represent something like uh, the 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 lion the roaring lion that goes around seeking whom it may devour uh it, it nations change so over the great Period of history, you know you can't just boil down these these, these uh these beasts and say okay all oh, that that's the Romans and that's what they did, and that's what they're going to do uh uh be very careful of that because things can change, and Jesus was humble enough to say, No man, you know n- no angels no no not even the Son of man uh knows the day and the the time and the hour, of the coming. And, and that is true with a lot of other things, you know, because the Bible says, judge not that you be not judged. We can't judge any of these nations. The The one big factor of of, of timing is that if people repent, that can change destruction like with Nineveh. When those people repented, instead of the prophecy of it being destroyed, it was the prophecy was canceled, and the, and and Nineveh was spared uh, for quite a long time. So we can't get into judging on these things, but we do know. And I was starting to read to you uh, in um, Revelations five when we we read about you know, the, the glory of the Lamb and that had been slain, but he's got these seven spirits of God. And then in verse four, or pardon me, verse eight, it says um, that when he had taken the book, uh, uh, the four beasts and the four and 20 elders, the four beasts, did not get this, beast, B-E-A-S-T-S, and four and 20 elders, <laughs> they're, they're right in there with the elders. and And they're standing together there. And uh, and they fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials um, and, and and odors, which are the prayers of the saints. These four beasts now are represented in a different era. They are represented as praying saints. And they sung a new song, verse 9, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain, and Thou hast redeemed us. So these these beasts... Have been converted, and they are are saying they've been redeemed. You have redeemed us. So these beasts represent people, just like the waters in in Revelation seventeen verse fifteen represent people, nations, kindred, and tongues. So when we start talking about the different beasts, we must go very very slow, especially when you are talking the seventy thousand years of duration. That the Bible predicts in, in Daniel and revelation and, and and psalms, you must go very, very slow because you don't know the day or the hour of the coming of the Son of Man, and all these churches out here and pastors that have made predictions uh, that have fallen flat on their face and they just have brought disgrace uh, to the Bible, disgrace to the to, to the spirit of prophecy, disgrace uh... to christianity because of their false predictions and, and and so that's why this truth has needed to come to to deliver god's people so when we start getting into things you know like <clears throat> in ezekiel forty forty three, uh... in revelations 11 1 uh... four and uh... revelations 21 15 through 23 and Zachariah six, nine through 15, and Second Thessalonians two, one through four, and Ephesians, uh, 19 uh, through 22. Uh, Ephesians two. Uh, verse 19 through 22, and 1 Corinthians three sixteen, and 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20, uh, and 2 Corinthians six sixteen through 18, and Matthew 26 through, um, it looks like, uh, 51, and John 2, uh, 19 through 21. Uh, this is stuff about the temple. And the measuring process is another way of saying the counting process when you measure with the tape you look at a number to see how wide something is how long something is and all these scriptures talk about the temp- the temple and the measurements of uh, of time and things and and you know uh the old jerusalem was about 5 miles square but Ezekiel talks about a temple that is far, far larger. And so changes happen over the course of time. And and the scripture talks about, and we'll get into this a little later too, about the measurement of a man. And then it says, well, that is of an angel. So that we see that the equation moves from son of man to son of God, from Person as a man, uh, then becoming an angel elect. Uh, we can't just put down the iron brand and say this is it. Nothing can can change it. The Bible talks about those angels elect in First Timothy five, twenty one, and so we know that this thing about the fringe, the the zitzit or the the zitzit to pretend. Uh, Important is that how to, you would like to to uh, pronunciate it to you. Uh, I have all kinds of different ways I like to say things, uh, because of some of my linguistic, uh, uh, you know, ideas, or linguistic, however you like to say that. Uh, and and how important as we get into the fringe, uh, you know, the zit zit or the zizith uh, is a lot to do with the meaning of the thread of blue that reaches into each corner of this, whether it would be the ephod uh, fringe or the fringe uh, of, of the, the talit or talit or, or talit. Or tallit. Uh, it is just depending how these things are made appropriate. Uh, we know that in Second uh, Chronicles three fourteen it talks about uh you know a veil of blue, of purple and crimson, of fine linen, and wrought, and, and uh wrought on thereon were cherubims. Why are these cherubims so important? Why do they keep coming up on uh, on uh all these different uh uh you know things with uh, connected with the pomegranates, connected uh, with the bells of gold, uh, connected with the fringes, uh, connected with the holy articles of the temple, and things that are to be measured, uh, things that are to be uh, patterns, uh, that are to be understood. Uh, wow, it, it 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 is so very very important that people begin to open this up. Now we're going to get into this thing. With the mark of the beast, the six six six, and there's another term called beast. And uh, but we but before people get the, too conclusive about who the beast is, uh, or who the antichrist is, or or what the number of the mark of the beast means, uh, you need to understand that uh, when you really get into the reading deeply of the word. Like, for instance, you know, when you get into the Greek, which you're into the Greek in the New, from the New Testament, transliterated into English, uh, the word that is count the number of the beast, to count the number of beast, uh, means more than just to calculate. It actually means to reckon. So the meaning of solving the mystery of the number 666 is not only to count the number, but that incorporates meaning both to calculate and to reckon. So you could count something and think you have the answer, but if you haven't reckoned as to what the pattern of that number means, then you won't be anywhere. And just like in the Greek, there are different kinds of s's, and one of the particular s's that is used in this particular application of this letter, or number of the beast, because like in old Hebrew and old Greek, uh, as well as many languages, sometimes a letter also has uh, a number meaning, and and so it's very very important. But one of the s's, uh, you know, is stigma. And the word stigma is sort of like uh, what they used for slaves and cattle and soldiers, where they were branded, so that they showed that they belonged to, you know, a kingship or 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 a various kind of religion of gods. Now, even in the Roman numerals, uh, you know, there's some people that like Roman numerals. There's people that don't. You know, like you have a 1, and it stands for 1. But you have a V, then, and the V stands for 5. You have an X that stands for 10. You have an L that stands for 50. You have a C that stands for 100, and a D that stands for 500. If you were to take that the other way down, and you got the 500 with the D, the uh, uh, C is 100, uh, 500 and 100 is 600. Then you take the L, which is 50, and the X, which is 10. That equals 60. Then you take the V, which is 5, and the 1, which is 1. That equals 6. That gives you 666. Six, six. So the Roman numerals, which are only six letters of the Roman language in the Roman numerals, actually total to the number 666. Six, six. Now, that is could could be said, well, that's not the number of a man. Uh, well, no, it's the, it's the number of the Roman numerals of the Roman language. But someone could say, yeah, but that has to do with it because it was from Rome. Uh, you don't know that, so you shouldn't even say that. You think you know it because you've heard it preached maybe dozens and dozens of times. But but the the the, the number six 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 is very far reaching. It it is deep. Uh it is about things that have not even yet been discovered, except those few p- persons that have been given, you know, the the uh super insight to know them. So so it it is a triple of marks. It it is a, a culmination uh of of things that are to be to yet be illustrated uh, as to the significance of what the number not only means as a number uh, uh, in addition, uh, uh, triangulation, or uh, as meaning, uh, you know, uh, a reckoning. Uh, Because you go back in time, there's all kinds of of numbers of people, all kinds of numbers of time, of what happened, you know, to various, uh, 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 you know, Countries and durations of time, like the duration of the old Assyrian Empire, uh, was six hundred and sixty-six years before being conquered by Babylon, and you could go through uh, Jerusalem being trodden down by the Roman Empire, uh, six hundred and sixty-six years from the Battle of Actium, and. You can just go on and on and on. Uh, you know, Goliath uh, was six cubits. He had six pieces of ar- ar- armor. Uh, his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. There's another 666. Nebuchadnezzar, his image, you know, 60 cubic high, six cubits broad, and was worshipped when the music was heard from six specific instruments. Uh, it it doesn't end. This thing of the six, six, six has been applied to nero uh, it's been uh, it's been applied to the Pope. uh it's just been applied to all kinds of different people uh you know uh, in applying this number to the pope people have applied it to the to the living pope of the time and then when that pope died they say, oh well let's see it must be another pope get off that wagon get off that stupid tumbleweed uh you know uh, Be very careful who you call anything. Uh, You know, this this number 666, you know, is a remarkable number uh, because it has a concentration to it so that, you know, the square of 6 is 36. But if you take the square of 6 and you you add the sum of all the numbers, starting with 1, then plus 2, plus 3, plus 4, plus 5, all of the way up to 36 because the square of 6 is 36, it adds up to 666. And so is that the number of the bees? Well, that's a number that, you know, is applied a certain way, but there's more to it than just the number. You have to get understand the reckoning. If you don't understand the reckoning, then you just aren't in the groove. You just don't have it. You are off-based. And so it is time for you to understand this as I am as I am ministering this to you because without that you're just not going to do very very well. Okay. So there are many different emanations that 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 are to be uh revealed. But uh if we look in Ezekiel on this thing with the Merkabah, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 1. And let's uh, read the actual scripture uh on this Merkabah uh Chapter twenty uh, chapter one of Ezekiel verse twenty six and above the firmament that was over the heads was the likeness of a throne, as the appearance of sapphire stone, and the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man upon it. And I saw the color of amber as the appearance around about within it from the appearance of the loins even upward, from the appearance of his loins even downward. And I saw as it were the appearance of fire and he had the brightness around about and the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud. So here we have this um, same revelation as in the 68th chapter of the book of, of Psalms and this verse 4 chapter of chapter 68 of this chariot riding in the skies. Uh, on the throne, uh, it is verified there. it is also verified uh, in the book of Exodus, which we will get to that eventually, Lord Welling, uh, as we get into this merkabah uh, uh, of its blue and white sapphire and both its outer and inner journeys, and how important to understanding that Pesher or that interpretation. And and in connection with uh, Psalm 68:33, He rideth upon the heaven of heavens. Uh, <laughs> does God want us to know that? Yeah. And what does this Merkavah mean? It's it's a, it's a throne char- uh, chariot, and it's bidding people to ride with the chariot. Blessed be the name of God. So it's it's just it's exciting. Okay another aspect of the number which I have taught on over the years you know is the the number of carbon which carbon man is mostly made out of carbon and so you have six protons six neutrons and six electrons which is the revelation of the number of carbon and and that represents the combination of those three numbers as 666 six, six. Now there's definitely a connection with that meaning uh, but this meaning of the word 666 isn't just counting the number but there is something very broad, very deep and very expansive when you get into the reckoning of of the number and, and the place in the sun of the revelation of the beast and the understanding it as a lightning flash from God uh, opening up a person's mind. Yeah, I mentioned the the Emperor Nero, N-E-R-O, and you can take his name, uh, you have to spell it different ways to get it to do that. You know, just not every spelling, depending on which language and so forth, is the same, but you you can make it uh, uh, to be 666 you know and, and there's all kinds of other things that, that you can do with that uh, but you know uh, what have you got when you get that well uh, it's just like these things with the beast how they change this 666 you know uh, it, it it can represent the, the antichrist but then the bible says even now there are many antichrists so just as it is with these different beasts that represent the different, different nations, you know, um, and, and, and uh, th- these beasts can also rep- represent different rulerships and different, uh, you know, uh, times that those rulerships are at the head of a kingdom. And and that's why it mentions like all the different kingdoms, and it lists them, that one follows another. And, and we see that uh, both in the Old Testament and talked about in the New Testament Revelation. And we've got to get this down, because if we don't get it down, you're not going to understand this. You're going to be making a prophecy that's going to fall flat on its face, because you're going to think that that particular man is going to do something exactly in the totalness of what you interpret the scripture to be saying, whereas it can easily be talking collectively. Because for instance, in in Jewish configuration of of numbers, uh, sometimes the numbers are given in sets, sometimes they're given in groups and and so then the application can be uh when it's reckoned to one particular number but collectively to all of those different numbers uh as they are part uh, of a happening spread over a period of time and and so uh these this six six number can apply in you know many different applications at different at different times and and but it's always going to be there because it's in the carbon of the man the six protons the six neutrons the six electrons right but is that the deepest understanding and revelation of it no but now let's let's get into this thing with the uh the number of the beast uh you know but but before before we do let's get over into the 13th uh chapter Um, uh, before, I should say, before we we broaden it into other reckonings, let's uh, take it from the original source in the 13th chapter of of the book of Revelations. And let's just read uh, again what it says in those places in chapter 13. And um, we saw one of the heads in verse 3 wounded. Uh, In verse uh, 2, We saw that the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his authority. So you can have all these different beasts which can represent all kinds of different nations, but if that nation hasn't (coughs) disintegrated to the point of morality, to where the dragon is the seat and power of its authority, then that... B ship is not going to apply to the draconian revelation as to the meaningfulness of the Antichrist. <coughs> Excuse me. So as we begin to understand that, we have to apply this as it will be happening in different nations, different places, and different points of time throughout the long course of the 70,000 generations. And we begin to understand that this that this uh, beast has more than one heads, verse 3. One was wounded to death. That's just another way of saying, you know, there's more than one representation of these same beasts over the courses of time and history. And they worship the dragon which gave power to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like him, who is able to make war with him? Obviously, one of the chief conditions of Satan getting, uh, giving his power of, uh, of authority and his seat of authority is that they become weapons for him, armies for him, in his ultimate plan uh, to overcome the forces of, of, uh, of light. And... Uh, Then it it, it goes on, and um, if we get into verse 18, it says, uh, let's start with verse 17. And no man may buy or sell, save he have the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now, in certain places, as we read, we notice that the branding of this 666 is sometimes done in the forehead sometimes done in the hand area and you know there are meanings to that too the forehead represents the mind the brain and 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 so this condition of the 666 the reckoning of it is for it to really brand a person it has to have thought mentality and belief mentality in the brain and the right hand or the hand represents the 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 person's rights or liberties and once they give over their rights and their liberties to to the beast then you know they become captivated uh, and under the branded control of of uh that belief and that image that they have given themselves to and um here is wisdom let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast now Let's interpret this <clears throat> let him that hath understanding count the number of beasts. This is given by the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual revelation. okay, so does that mean that the only person that should understand this are the are the dumb dumbs uh, that are that are taken the mark of the beast and and that are belong to that uh, is that the, is that talking to the people that are going to take the mark of the beast or is that talking to let him that has wisdom who knows there's worldly wisdom there's spiritual wisdom it is not going to be understood by worldly wisdom and the bible talks of the spiritual wisdom and that is how it's going to be understood because we read to you how that with david and with moses the revelation of the of the patterns in the mount the revelations of the pattern by the spirit were given by the spirit and so that is the only way it's going to be understood. So then, who is it that is going to have something to do with understanding uh, and counting the number of the beast, uh, for it is the number of a man? Now, be careful here. When you start getting into this thing about man, you can make it singular if you want to, but man can also stand, and there are scriptures that prove this, can also stand to be plural as standing for mankind, you know? And because there are scriptures that say, you know, about what man has done or so forth. And it's not talking about a, a particular man, but it's talking about, you know, a, a group. And so you have a singular plural. And, and, uh, and that is just the way, you know, the old uh, Hebrew and the old Greek uh, uh, are put together from their, their linguistic uh, uh, ability. Okay so and his and and his number is 603 score and 6 and there you've got the 666 six, six. okay now let's move on and let's get into some some other interesting things let's we've been talking about the fringe this um this uh, zitsit or zitzit and um um spelled T Z I T Z I T, and and um, and we recognize that that it is both on a garment like a priestly garment, or, or on the clothing that a person would wear, uh, or on this prayer shawl, but in all instances it is to have certain kinds of of um, definite ornamentation. Uh, or if we want to call it uh, definite uh, decor, or or definite um, uh, fringe windings, however you want to call that, uh, is important. Now, let's look at this and see where we can go with the with the number six six six, as refers to this um, thing with the zit zit, the, the fringe and the windings. Well, first off, um, uh, it is w- it is. Definitely made a connection by the Jews uh, uh, that that there is the number six hundred and thirteen com- uh, c- committed to this particular uh, garment, and and so they say because that represents the total commandments. Uh, that was given this includes the statures it's, it's more than just the ten commandments the ten main commandments but there's 613 that 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 is what you know your jewish world claims and 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 the christian world uh, understands that and so we got 613 and then we've got the the fringe windings and this includes uh you know uh, as as we'll get into it lord if uh, help us if we have time it includes you know uh the various uh knots and, and the various number of loops and windings and and all of that and there are 39 of those and then <clears throat> um, we have the seven and and the seven has to do with uh the number, the, the name white, because, um, like for instance, right now most of the, um, in, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, the Jews will not use blue, even though the scripture says there is to be a thread of blue to each color. They don't use it because they can't find the right kind of <coughs> snail uh, to make the right kind of blue. And they don't want to use any blue that is not the right blue. So instead they use white or black. Or they use both white and black. Now let's look at this thing with with, with white. <coughs> Excuse me. White has seven colors. And one of those colors, for sure, is blue. So when you use white, you understand that you are using white. And it can only be understood as having blue by understanding the prisms and separating the seven prisms. But it's sort of like when it talks about the noise of the thunder. The noise is when you you hear the thunder as a noise, not understanding what the message is. Well, white is like seeing the color but not understanding what the message is, because that in that color there are seven other prisms, seven prisms, and every one of those prisms represent a distinct color. And one of those, of course, is blue. So by using white, they do have, you know, a continuation of the fringe. Of course, the 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 um, particular wool of of, of the um, of the prayer shawl and of the, of the garment, uh, the ephod, is, is like of the nature that it's white. The color is white. And then the fringes <coughs> can also then be made white. And when they do that, uh, then they have, they have, in a way, <coughs> in a way they have fulfilled the, um, the meaning, the commandment, the instructions to have this blue down on every one. But the problem with that is now they have lost the meaning and they have lost the revelation of that particular color. And because they have lost that, then they have lost the sensation of the word. And although in a high technicality it is covered generally, it is not covered specifically. And so, we have then the 7 added to the 613, the 39, because that is an absolutely essential of the fringe. And, the, and so, the 7 represents the 7 colors of the white, because they added white. Then we have another 7, and this is a very significant 7, and it is, a, it is the hidden secret number. Now, if you take the 613, the 39, and the 7 of the white, and the 7 of this hidden uh, number, which I will explain to you, it adds up to 666. <clears throat> now, there would be some people out there that would just be horrified. They say, oh my God, the zith, the fringes, represent the number of the beast. You better listen to what the Word of God is saying. The Word of God is saying, let he that has wisdom count the number and the word in the hebrew there pardon me in the in the in the um and the word in the, the greek there and it also says this in the in the in the hebrew if i have time i'll get to that uh is about to reckon that is part of the counting so you've got to reckon this so there is when when these fringes which represent, as we've showed you by the scripture, wings. Which represents the flying zitzets or the zith, as we call them by the Holy Manifest Revelation. And as you see, is is the main part of the of the pattern on the mount. <coughs> Sixty-eight four says, "Exalt God in this chariot." that flies in the skies and we know that the angels are preaching the everlasting gospel in the skies and it is one of the main things what is it doing well it is concerned about the 666 and so it is it is covered in the commandments in in the special fringe windings in in this the seven of the white and in the, the the seven of the of the hidden seven. Now, what is that seven of the hidden seven? Well, it's about the one third revelation given in in chapter twelve of the book of Revelations. There's the one third revelation, and there's the the, the two third revelation, and it's about the windings that involve the whole pattern. Of the message, so we've got loops of blue, spoken of in Exodus twenty-six, four and fifty. We've got Exodus twenty-eight for the ephod, which is this special revelation of of the garment and the fringes. We again have Exodus 25:40 that talks about the pattern. We've got interesting things like about the knobs that we find various places in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, which represent in 3730 of the Hebrew To encircle. It represents a disc. Huh? Isn't that what they call flying saucers? It represents a place like that is put on the candelabrum, this holy thing, which incorporates the idea of a wreath, which is a circle, and it looks a little bit like a button called a knob. and that also incorporates the number 6497 of the of the, of the Hebrew strong's concordance dictionary and we understand then that this architectural term means things like to burst and on this candelabra they have this burst thing that looks somewhat like somewhat like a cucumber splitting open to shed its seeds explained in the Hebrew Strong's Dictionary 6498. And now you've got this representation on the candelabra of this fruit of the cucumber bursting to open its seeds on this candelabra of the seven lights which is connected to the idea of the pomegranate and all the seeds and the time when those those pomegranate will burst and the seeds to, to plant worlds in space and deep space are going to happen. And it's right there and it's been put on the candelabrum that was told by Moses to make it, how to make it. So that all these little knobs and all these knots, they all mean something. And this masterfulship of knowing the 666 and, have, and the wisdom of knowing it as it is being revealed in the fringes is so important. And, and what is that importance? We want to talk about it. I just can't close this teaching today. I can't close it until I do talk about it. Because we are talking about a thing called braiding. B-R-A-I-D or braided or embroidered as described in Ezekiel 16.10 and in the Hebrew strong concordance 75.28 and 75.53 and the diverse colors and the needlework on both sides that is represented, and the revelation of this supply of white threads comes in, in 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 sets, and there is so much to the revelation of the of the hidden seven of the fringe, the hidden sevens of the fringe there is so much but all these things and all these terms and this special needlework and this special embroidering and and braiding is all about something very emphatically important to be understood in the word of god and that's why we get into things like the bands like in job 38 31 of Orion, the bands of Orion. There's a meaning to that. More than what most people know, it ties in to Zechariah 11, 7, 2, and 14. The staffs, one called beauty, one called bands. It gets into even the body bands of Colossians 2, 19. Not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God. I read a little bit of that to you last week. And it's all tied into Isaiah 51, 16, planting the heavens. And Revelations 22, 1 through 2, nations, planets, healing the soil, healing the waters, healing the air. Wow. Those things are just so uh, absolutely important. Blessed be the name of God. Okay. Now, I mentioned a little of this last week. I don't have time to go into it yet, but we'll we'll still have to keep talking and preaching on this word. We mentioned on Genesis 4.15, the Lord set a mark on Cain so that no one would kill him. There's more about how God has set mark on people. This is a very interesting scripture. You should definitely read it. Ezekiel 9, verses 4 through 6, and how God puts these, these marks on people their forehead on their hands and in Revelation 7 3 through 8 I mentioned last week the seal of the 144,000 he actually means the word seal means to stamp with the signet or private mark also read Revelation 5 6 through 10 to seal so now we've got the mark of the beast but we've, we've got all these other marks that are done by God and the mark of the beast 5480 means the same thing as the seal because it means to stamp with a signet or a private mark the mark of the beast means to scratch to etch or to stamp with a with a figure or a mark the same meaning wow so now the book of the seals is getting opened and the different glories are bubbling up. The Bible talks about God sealing or making a mark in the hand. And we know there's a a scripture, I think the one I gave you in Ezekiel, where it shows that he marks the forehead, which is the same thing that the mark of the beast is doing. We're not making these both the same, but we're saying that for everything of God there is a counterfeit. And Satan definitely takes advantage of making those counterfeits so that he can appear as an angel of light. So in Job 37.7, it says, God sealeth the hand of every mind, or of every person, however you want to put it. All right. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to get more into this thing about the throne. But I think for right now we've got to set that aside the next time. And I wanna I want to, you know, in you know, I, I, I could just mention the tents of glory, but now we'll save that for next time too. Uh and I want to talk about um, you know, this thing of the one-third mystery. Now in Hosea six, one through three, it says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will find bind us up, bind us up. Verse two. After two days will he revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. <coughs> Verse three. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. He shall come unto us. The rain shall come unto us as the rain, the latter and former rain unto the earth. Now. Listen to this revelation, Zechariah 13:8 through 9, and it shall come to pass that in all the lore, that in all the land it shall come to pass that in all the land saith the Lord, two parts. Now we'll call this one third, and one third shall be cut off and die, but the but a third or the third shall be left therein. So we have three thirds, two. Two parts, a third and a third, that are going to be cut off. How do we know it's a third? Because the third part is a third, so that makes it a, it a part of three thirds. And so that makes the other two parts a third and a third, and a third shall be cut off. So now let's look at this. <coughs> now, when we look at these things and we see uh, in the tenths. You have to remember in the tense, in, the, in both, uh, in Hebrew especially and, and to an extent in, in the old Greek, they did not have a proper word to describe the tense. So it had to be only understood by the contextuality of the scripture. So sometimes when something is spoken future, futuristically, uh, and a person says, well, that's, you know, this has already happened, well, sometimes that is not exactly true. Because although it is uh, virtual of happening, it has not happened with finality because the white throne judgment has not happened. And until the white jo- throne judgment happens, many of these things, even about Satan and, and, uh, Saint and Lucifer, uh, are, are not stamped into finality until the decision of the seven spirits of God of the white throne judgment. So everything has to be left in sort of a loop. And and you have the virtual uh, potential, the virtual reality potential, but you don't have the ultimate potential of reality until the White Throne Judgment takes place. Now, we've got these, in Zechariah 13, 8 through 9, these, these three one-thirds. Two are going to be cut off, but one is going to be left. So that's three parts. That's one-third, one-third, plus one-third. So if we take two parts that are to be cut off, that's a third and a third. And then if we take the one part that is to be left, that is a third. Now, if we take um, this and refer it to Revelations 5.11, of which it shows that there are a trillion angels. These are the Ophanims. That's 10 with the power of 12. 12 sets, 12 zeros then let's take and put that into these these thirds so we have a third which is 333 three, three. so that's 3 billion now sometimes we will refer this 3 billion to the trillion and we're not saying that it's a it's a billion trillion we're saying it's it's a, a third of the of the 333 um, three, three, the 333 billion as refers to the trillion Which is the whole of what this number is all about and i sort of put it that way last week but i didn't get a chance to finish it and then so we got another one-third which is another 33 uh, billion to the trillion part of the trillion and that gives us guess what 666 billion so the two parts that are to to be cut off represent 666 billion then there's the one third that is, that is to be kept and that's another 333 billion but it is not to be part of that which is cut off so that gives us 999 billion and that's 1 billion short because the 1 billion represent the angels that are co owned and they are counted differently And when you add the 999 billion with the 1 billion, you get the trillion. So then when you apply that to the number 666, the number 666 is actually representing 666 billion angels of the trillion that went to the side of Lucifer. And only 333 billion did not go, but agreed to take human bodies. The other 666 did not want to take human bodies because they were convinced by Satan that there was another way to do it without losing their memories. Now that is so very, very important to get that down into your mind. Now, why is this thing about the third mystery so important? The ark had three stories. There's your third, third, third. There's three holies, holy, holy, holy. In Exodus 19, 11, it says, be ready for the third day. Matthew 16, 21, it talks about the third day to rise again. The same thing it says in in Matthew seventeen twenty three. The same thing it says in Matthew twenty nineteen. The third day rise again. In Revelations eight seven through twelve, it talks about when this this vial, when this dark energy is released. A third part of the trees will be destroyed. A third part of the sea become blood. third part of the creatures in in the sea will die. third part of the ships will be destroyed. A third part of the rivers be destroyed or polluted. The third part of the waters be destroyed or polluted. A third part of the sun will be darkened. third part of the moon and the stars will be darkened. third part of them darkened. a third part of the of the the day should will not shine and and there being in verse uh, Revelations 9:15, a year to slay one third of the part of men, and verse 18, three. Uh, uh, there was the one third part of men killed, and uh, and this all connects to Revelations 12:14, the tail drew one third of the part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. This revelation of the third and the and and, and the two thirds is so incredibly important. So important, so absolutely important, and why is the fringe so important with this? Because in the the braiding of of the the fringe, <clears throat> two-thirds are not braided. one third is braided. It is the one-third that is braided that holds and keeps the other two-thirds from falling off and falling apart. And so the very mini- the very ministry of the fringe, the very revelation of the fringe, has this other secret seven, which is about the stars of which God said to Abraham, look up to the stars. One day your seed will be as the, as the number of the stars. But number didn't just mean the count, it meant the reckoning. And that's what this revelation of the ziths, of the fringes, are all, is all about. If you don't have that revelation, you don't understand when it talks about the chariot that took up, up Ezekiel, that, that one day that Enoch was not because God took him. You don't understand the rapture. You don't understand that Christ is always coming in every age that Christ is then always going back away, but going to come again. It's all through the Bible. You don't understand in Luke how that he was, Jesus, was carried up by this whirlwind, by this Merkabah. It's about the stars, of which the Bible says in Job 38, where were you? When the morning stars sung together for joy. It's about who you are, where you came from. It's about the revelation of revelation, of that which was, of that which is, and that which is to come. It's about understanding these words like the rib band, R-I-B-B-A-N-D, and the special meaning of that. And how that even the word fringe is the same meaning of Ezekiel 8.3 of lock of hair. And how that ties in to the meaning of human beings just like water does. Ladies and gentlemen, there is so much more. I just don't have any more time. But we will carry on next week because you've got to know this revelation. It is essential. This word of God has been infused for all you people with mouth infections, gum infections, tooth or teeth infections. God's Holy Spirit is moving all over the earth. And this word is a living word. We love you. May God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you until you are included in those of the wisdom that not only can count the number, but can reckon the meaning. God bless you as Janet now plays the organ.